The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ray Clark, sitting in for Ken this week, and coming up on the podcast, I'm joined in the studio by Dave Gillam from the Abercorn Garden Centre. Although Ken's not here, we've got all the normal features, including some top tips of things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. We start as normal then with the plant of the week. Dave, what have you chosen for us? Well, right, plant of the week, there can only be one. And it's my time of the year, it's dahlias. So dahlias, great time to think about planting them now. Hopefully you've got some green plants. Um, if you've still got tubers, you'll still get time to get them in the ground, get them awake and get them growing. So when you're going to plant them, you need a decent open spot, plenty of light to it. Um, somewhere that you can allow a plant that's going to grow to at least a two foot all round space and maybe four or five foot high um, so bearing that in mind a little bit of compost manure compost if you've got it into the ground prepare it well dig deep now if you're going to plant dig a much much bigger hole more not for the roots just so that when you plant it you can leave a well a dip around the plant so that when it does rain or when you're watering that water will find its way to the roots and not run off down the garden um, get them going Cut the tops out about the end of June, but get them growing now and then let them go. Um, And you'll have flowers then from really July through to November time. But it is perfect time. Get them dahlias in the ground, find yourself some plants and have a summer full of colour. Feeding, you would go probably um, with a general feed early on with something like bluffish and bone again. We keep on using that. Um, And later on, as soon as the buds come, tomato food something with a high potash uh, and that's easily found in the form of tomato food and you can splash it over the foliage as well because the plant will take it in quicker through the leaves and the root Um, beyond that water water and more water deadheaders are flowering and the best way to deadhead a dahlia is actually cut them before they're dead pop them in the vase and have them on the sideboard indoors and enjoy them in there Um, but when the buds come later in the year and you've had a few flowers just start what we call disbudding. So you're just going to take the side buds, so you get one main one in the middle and one each side, left and right, take the left and right off, go down another pair of leaves and you'll find another couple of shoots, take them as well. And what that does is it makes sure that the stem will ripen, stay strong enough, the flower will be bigger, and when we get a bit of rain and a bit of wind later in that summer, normally by August bank holidays, a classic one, when we, we get the winds turn up just before the shows, it'll mean the flower will stand up in the weather and not end up facing the floor and getting damaged by the weather. So disbudding later, but early on, just enjoy the flowers that come first. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Dave will bring you some top tips on things that you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's hear now what you've been calling about. We start with Alex calling from my hometown of Burnham. Good morning. Good morning. I wonder if you can give me some advice, please, my wife, who's the gardener, not me. Um, It's regarding daffodils. Yeah. Um, We bought uh, a a bag of daffodils uh, earlier this year and uh, my wife got the gardener to put them in tubs. Uh-huh. Um, they were put in about February, and consequently they've come up in beautiful uh, array now, in all in tubs. And now we've been given specific different um, uh, uh, views as to how you deal with them once they've stopped flowering and died off. When I used to go along to um, Maldon mm-hmm. uh, at Munden, there's wild daffodils growing in en masse about the side of the road. But um, do I leave them in as they are, loop them over, or as somebody said, take them out and replant them again next year? Ooh. Well, I, I grow a lot of daffodils and I show them, but 
I think the difference you're you're seeing them in the verges, and there's certain varieties and certain deaths, and particularly the wild ones. They they've just got that extra bit of vigour, more so than the ones that we buy for the pretty flowers um, in the garden. So for me, I leave them in the pots. Don't fold them over. Don't tie them up in knots. Don't cut them back. Uh, just pinch the, the the flower head off, just behind where it's a have a little bulbous bit at the back, um, and lots of water. And if you've got some tomato food. Give them a good drink of tomato food as well. It's all about building the bulb up for next year. Um, keep them in the pots. If you want to replant them, then take them out probably about July time. Give them a couple of months rest and then pop them back in the pots, new compost. And is that the same day for the, the stuff that's in the borders as well? Because they're all dying off now. We've yes. got the, the straggly leaves and remnants. <laughs> Do you leave them there even it, though we want to make it pretty? It is a problem. We all want to tidy them up and make them look good. At minimum of six weeks after flowering, leave the foliage alone. Don't fold it over. Don't tie it up in knots. But do keep watering. People tend to water everything as it comes into flower and then go, it's done it now. Yeah, and it'll then, die off until yeah, next year. We'll leave it alone. And, and, but it's all about now for next year. So if you don't build the bulb up, all you'll get is grass. <laughs> all right, there's uh, Alex. I think a tick for that one. He's, he's satisfied with his answer there. Richard from Ingotstone with a, a bit of a problem. Richard, morning. Yes, good morning to you. Yeah, we have a, a fairly long stretch of fence between us and a neighbour, yeah. which is covered in ivy, which is very nice. <laughs> um, however, we are experiencing... Uh, a problem where these leaves are being attacked overnight by something yep. <laughs> in the morning is evidenced by a load of droppings beneath. Yeah. Um, I've uh, I've been out there during the day to see what it is, uh, exam- examining the leaves. I've been out there at night with a torch to try and find out what has been attacking <laughs> them. Uh, I was going to suggest a headlamp, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, anyway... Uh, you know, you, what you see is that sort of leaves all over the place that have been sort of moth-eaten either in the yeah. middle of the leaf or from the edges. Yeah. Um, and obviously the leaves die off. Um, but is that, and is that, have you any idea what it might be and what we might employ to uh, do something about it? Well, just, just on the eating, is it like someone's gone along with a hole punch and just sort of nibbled at the edges or is it sort of whole sort of serrated at chunks? Well, they nibbled around the edges and they nibbled sort of in the middle of the edges. Right, OK. So. That's all right then, because you haven't got vine weevil. Um, <laughs> so it's, it is actually, you, you, when you said moth-eaten, it is pretty much uh, going to be a moth caterpillar. Um, and caterpillars will munch all the way around the edges and they're, they're like little eating factories and it all comes out the uh, back end in lovely little brown pellets. Um, the only way you'll treat that is to use a systemic insecticide and, and probably spray as you would anyway in the evening, so there's no bees and good insects about. Um, but give it a good spray, make sure you get it under the leaves and into the plant, because they'll be hold, hiding up in the plant. Um, and then when they do come out for dinner, it's there and it's in the system waiting for them. Maybe if you could bottle them up, there's probably quite a few people with ivy that they don't want. <laughs> I was going to um, say, you can... <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can sell them out, farm them out for uh, ivy removal. But um, a good insect, systemic insecticide under the leaves into the plant, and you should sort of get on top of them. Okay. Okay, cool. Thank you for your advice. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Uh, Your your ivy will thrive. (laughs) (laughs) I think it thrives without helping in a lot of gardens. Uh, It's BBC Essex. Dave Gillam is answering your questions, your gardening questions. Uh, Ken back next week, all being well, just a a bit under the weather today. Not the time to be under the weather if you're a gardener, is it? Crikey, you should be out there enjoying it. Uh, Let's go to Tommy in, uh, in Hockley and a problem with wild garlic. Well, is it a problem? Tommy, morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. I, I, I've got loads of garlic. I've been in this house 20 years. Yeah. It's going from under the stones all over, and it does smell a bit like... <laughs> I, 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 take a, I take a bin out every week to the dustman. Yeah. And we just can't keep it down. We, we dig it up, we take the plugs up, but it keeps coming back all the time. Yeah. It is It is a nuisance. Um it, yeah. It's not. It's not so bad if it's you've got a nice wild border and you just want to let it romp through there. Um, it is wild garlic. It does smell yeah. of garlic, um, and unfortunately, the bin men can't even sort of use it for the spag bowl. But um, yeah. the, the thing to do with it really is to stop digging it up for a start. <clears throat> Don't dig it because all you're going to do is leave tiny little bulbs, and you won't see them. Um, and and you're preparing the ground really for those to grow. Um, oh, it is a hard one. The only way you're going to really get on top of that is is using the weed killer. 
um, and getting it on the leaves and hopefully getting it down so it will go on the leaves into that bulb and kill the bulb before it starts making more bulblets. Is it's it a, a special a, weed killer? Is it um, a one? Uh, any, any of the, again, the ones that will sh that say they will kill the roots. Um, so you don't want to use uh, the weed oil that was would generally only scorch the tops off. You want a, a good one, I would say SBK or a Roundup, um, something with a glyphosate in there. Um, but it, it won't be a one one trick pony. You've got to go, keep going at it. It's a war of attrition that in the end you win. But do not dig them up because you you'll never do it. Yeah, it's getting worse. Uh, it does keep the, the the vampires away, by the way. I'd say it and keep your back strong as well, I'm sure. Yeah, I haven't heard too many reports <laughs> of vampires in Hockley. So no. okay. On a similar note to, to Tommy's and back to Richard's call as well, he's trying to save his uh, his ivy. Um, not in Halstead, Hillary from Halstead. I'm desperate. How do I kill ivy? <laughs> it, it is quite often that you either love it or and it's got its job and it's doing its purpose or not. Um, ivy is hard because it's got a lovely, shiny, waxy leaf and, and generally uh, weed killers won't stick to the leaf. Um, I've, I've happened to walk past and slip with a bottle of washing up liquid before now and happened to put some in the spray um, <clears throat> it won't say it on the packet but it does help break that um, oily film down and the, the weed killer will then stick to the leaf better so, so spray them with washing up liquid use a weed killer but a little squirt of washing up liquid in there um, will somehow have an effect uh, but it isn't recommended um, but the, really the best way if you can I would cut them down expose the bare stems and then you can literally something like a brushwood killer or a stump killer and, and paint it straight on those fresh cuts so you can knock out the root the problem is it roots so many times that there's always another another way for it to come back. Yeah, yeah. Please don't think we've got a down on ivy here, but it is horrible stuff as well. If you're pulling it, it's so dusty and it gets right. Well, in the back and of your it roots throat, into the. It? If you've got a wooden fence and, and it's on there, you yeah. try taking it off. You'll take the fence with it. Yeah. It is a bit invasive if you don't want it where it is. It's but a bit of a vandal. Something to cover up. It's perfect. <laughs> but while we're talking poisons and stuff, because they are poisons, weed killers, I yeah. mean, I, 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 I say I'm a gardener and I've got a bit of knowledge and I've got the blisters, but I'm, all, <laughs> I'm always fighting shy of, of putting chemicals around. So they're a lot safer now than they were, aren't oh, they? Oh, hugely, hugely. I mean, obviously in the garden centre, you get questions all the time, but um, generally out there, when you look at things, can pets be you know, in the same area? Most... Um, chemicals are so regulated now um, generally once they are dry they are safe to use the area so if you're, you're weak and you've got a cat dog keep them in spray them generally use a spray rather than through the watering can because you will get waste and once they're dry they're inert with the ground and they've done their job normally as far as rainfall is six hours but it'll probably only take half an hour to dry um, they're very very safe as long as they're used as directed so, I for instance, I mean, I've got personal interest here, and I'll make use of you <laughs> while you're here. We, we used our lawn has been around for years, and it's yeah. more thistle and moss <clears> than than lawn now. So we've yeah. got one of those in the plastic container yeah. that says "walk up and down with the granules." And and I wanted to do it last night, and I knew the rain was coming. Yeah. But we've got cats, so up and down, up and down, up and down. They got the sprinkler on it for half an hour or so. That's, That's the right it. Thing to do, yeah, I'll do that just to sort of activate it. Generally, if you've got problems with lawns, you'd be better to use a lawn weed killer that is a liquid that you mm -hmm. can just apply. Um, and then it's a much shorter process and you don't have to worry about scorching the grass. OK, uh, let's come back to more calls in just a moment. Ray Clark. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Dave Gillam has some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Well, top tip number one, now is the time for baskets, tubs, containers, hopefully the frosts have gone. Um, please, please start by emptying them properly. Um, year after year, if you leave a bit of compost in the bottom, the old vine weevil will uh, pop along and all you're going to be doing is giving it fresh food uh, for the season that comes. So empty them out. Tip the compost out. If you think there's vine weaver in there, empty them on the flower beds and let the birds uh, pick them away because they'll soon take them, they love them, um, and fill them with fresh compost. Once you, Before you fill them with compost, make sure there is crocs in the bottom. That can be polystyrene trays broken up from the plants that you're going to plant, terracotta, anything you've got laying about to make sure the pots drain because we don't want the, the plants swimming in water when we're watering them. And use a good quality compost and perhaps add a long-term feed, so a granular feed into there. And then you're ready 
to plan for a decent season ahead. Thank you, Dave. We'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Our guest, Dave Gillam, he'll answer your questions. OK, Dave, here's one for you now from Colin in Springfield. Morning to you, Colin. Morning, Dave. Morning. Uh, what you got, Colin? Problem, it, uh, I don't, can't remember the name, the official name of it. it the basic is Bird of Paradise. Yeah. Strelitzia. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> father passed away a few, few months ago. He's had it in his porch for donkey's years. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely covered in mealybug. <laughs> yeah. Now it does bloom. It has been blooming for the last two or three years when we had dad had it. But I brought it home now and I've got it in the greenhouse at the moment. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, it hasn't been repotted for about 10 years, as far as I know. I'm going to repot it because I've, I've read online sort of thing that he's sure it should be repotted every couple of years into loam free compost. Yeah. But can I? He's absolutely covered in this mealy bug. Yes. Lodges everywhere. Yeah. I have treated it with bug killer. Yeah. Really You're going to need to keep on going at it. You got you won't one one go won't do it um, because all right. you'll do is kill the adults that are there, but then there'll be the eggs and the young sort of following on behind. So you need to break break the cycle. Um, right. It's, if you happen to have some um, methylated spirits about, that tends to yeah. work. If you just wipe it on the stem, wipe it. Right. Or paraffin. Okay. Paraffin also seems to work. But okay. again, yeah, right. uh, but don't set it light. Don't set it alight. Um, and you, <laughs> and it'll take the eggs out as well. And because you've got these nice clear stems, you can just wipe them quite easily and then you'll know you've done the right. job. Make sure so, in your, if you're using a weak uh, spray or an insecticide, you get it yep. into that crown because they have a very clustered crown of leaves at the yes, base absolutely. Yes, that's and they, they'll set up right and hold there. up in there and then they just pop back up when you, when you don't want them. Right. Um, potting it. A lot of leaves that are there are curling at the moment when um, going quite brown. Is it worth cutting them back to the? I would. When you pot it, chop them down to the base, and then you'll get a new flush of growth, and hopefully that that won't have the mealy bugs on it either. But don't overpot them. You know, just go up a few inches because otherwise you'll get loads of leaves again and no flowers. They do like being confined to get them to flower. Now the other thing I've read is. You can put it out in the garden. You can have it out in the garden during the summer. Is that? Would yeah, you, yeah, is that, is that, is yeah. I'd wait till perhaps June and then pop it out. Nice yeah. sunny spot, and they'll they really yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. Okay, lovely. Uh, lovely. Uh, you're welcome, Colin. Thank you. That, that's the thing. If you've got a plant, especially in in the case of Colin, it was it was Dad, so it's been yeah, yeah, something <laughs> special. You want to keep it, don't you? Yeah. Oh yeah, and they love. It's lovely outside. If you can get them on the patio and you get some flowers come up in the summer, it's it's a real bit of tropics. Okay, Maisie has been planting loads and loads of fruit trees in little pots. They've got to the stage now where she wants them either in big pots or into the garden. I'll, I'll let Maisie ask you the question. Morning, Maisie. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Yeah, I've got a, um, a new apple tree I want to plant. and I've had two different pieces of advice about <laughs> how to plant it. One says in the hole, you know, digging lots of compost at the bottom. Yeah. And I watched a gardening programme the other week and it said, no, don't do that because the roots will just sit comfortably in that little <laughs> bit and not spread and put compost on top. The joys of gardening. <laughs> my, my advice is um, it, certainly in our area, we're on clay. You know, there's clay soil. If, you, if yeah. it's not on the top, it's not far away. Um, I'm not a fan of just sort of digging a hole and filling it up with compost and planting the plant. Um, it will make a comfort zone and it's a bit like getting out of bed in a cold morning you, you don't want to get out of the covers you stay in there and uh, clay is like that it's wet and it's cold but plants once they get in it love it and it holds the water and it holds food so i would use about half and a half of what you take out the hole yeah. and what you're putting in the hole and mix it together and then backfill so it's it's getting used to a bit of what it's going to find once those roots go out um, and plenty of water, and that should be fine. That's lovely. Okay, thanks very much. So you settle for that one, then, Maisie. You you listen to our advice rather than the bloke on the telly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Maisie. Uh, Maisie from Bishop Storford here on BBC Essex. I suppose the problem, especially there as well, is we'll we'll bring something on in pots, yeah. and they stick it in the ground, and then forget about it. And if that coincides with a dry spell, yes, you know, yeah. you might water it to start with, but when you get another month down the road, you oh yeah, I forgot about That's that. It, and it's fine not using anything if you're in Kent and you've got that lovely set, loamy soil. But we're in Essex and we've got clay. <laughs> yeah, but it holds the water, so there must yeah. be water Build, there somewhere. Makes good bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Eve is in Harlow. Morning to you, Eve. Good morning. Um, 
I would like your advice, please. Um, we had to have a, a sort of a ditch dug to, you know, for drainage. Yeah. And the earth that's been left, it was, you know, before we had all this rain, so it's been left sort of um, as it was dug out. Uh-huh. And um, now it's like um, cracked concrete on top. <laughs> yeah, clay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's um, got a, a, it's not moss, it's just a, a, a like a, a very faint, greeny paint on top of it yeah yeah it's just like an algae growth um it's just where it's got wet what do you want to do with it what are you going to do so, with the soil are you going to plant it or move it no just sort of dig it over and probably grass it if, you know i think that's the only way out um yeah but the thing is is there anything i can put on it so that it softens the ground up uh, and gets rid of the green so that um you know the earth can be dug over yeah, the only thing you can really do, um, there's a lovely little tool out there. I call it a, a cultivator, a three-pronged cultivator. It's just like a claw. Um, oh, yeah. And you just want to break up the crust, really. Underneath there, it would be nice, moist clay soil. But if you can just break that crust up a bit, um, and just by drawing that through the soil, we'll do that. Add some um, compost, uh, some sort of more manure compost than the multi-purpose compost. And maybe some some sand, some sharp sand. So you've got a, a surface that is draining. Don't worry about trying to kill off the algae. Just by working the soil and adding a bit of drainage, that will do it itself. And it'll also give you a, a, a sort of seed sowing layer that you can sow some grass seed onto. Again, once it's away and, it, and the roots are into the ground, it won't matter. And the green won't come back because there's grass there instead. Lovely. Thank you very much for All your right. help. Okay, Eve, thank you very much. I've, I've always called him a crone. The, the, the three <laughs> pronged Yeah, uh, tools have got so many names. <laughs> and it, we all call them different things, but on the label it says three pronged cultivator. Oh, right, so right, right. I, I, I'll go for that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just call him a, 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 a cultivator or a claw. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, sand was mentioned there. Yes. And, and a lot of Essex, although while we're talking about the soil, yeah, we've got that old clay. But if you get out to the coast and, and where I am, I mean, there's, yeah. there's so much soil, it's, it's sandy stuff. Well, we've got a lot of gravel pits and sand yeah. pits around here as well. And it's fine. You've just got to know what soil you've got. And if you've got a lot of sand in there, then all you do is add organic stuff, anything organic, to add a bit of heart Thicken to it. it. A bit, yeah, of yeah, a bit of, bit of sort of humus in there, really. Um, if you've got clay, you add sand to add the drainage. So it's a sort of... If you live somewhere in between, you're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, you, 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 again, and I'm a novice gardener, but you, you dig the stuff yeah. and then you put things in and then you're a bit surprised if they don't always grow. And, and someone yeah. says, oh, what's your soil? You can't do that here. And I, I, we had a, a situation with a rhododendron. Yes. Yeah. We, we put one in. I think I put I think I think put the wrong compost <laughs> in. So we've replaced that, but we're keeping it in a, in a tub. Now, yeah. here's the thing, tub versus putting it in the ground. Good well, idea. Well, in a tub, you, you can control the compost. So you'll put the right compost in there um, and you can control it easier. But there's, but there's pockets in stock and around there. It, rhodes grow lovely and it's slightly acidic. So, And even from your garden to your neighbours and the neighbours, there's just pockets and no two gardens are ever the same. So you've just got to get to know what you've got and then uh, start working with it, really. Gosh, let's go to Bob in uh, Landon with his bottle brush bush. Uh, Bob, morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. Yeah, well, yes, we've had a, we've got, well, we did. We've got, <laughs> so, yes, we did. did. <laughs> we had two bottle brushes in our garden. Yeah. Um, one was on one side of the border, the, the other one was the other side. Um, earlier on this year, we noticed one was dying off dramatically, mm-hmm. um, going, the leaves were going brown and everything else. And then the other one went the same. Yeah. We did cut them back, hopefully that we would save them in time, but unfortunately, they were just like twigs. Yeah. So in the end, we dug them up just in case there was a disease and it could spread somewhere else. Yeah. But our next-door neighbour has got the same problem. Both his bottle brushes have died. Yeah. And speaking to a friend of ours at the community centre, because he's a king gardener, he said, oh, you never guess what? He said, I've lost my bottle brush. Bottle brush. <laughs> I said, yeah, so we didn't know if there was a disease or, no, or no, it, or something. It, it's that thing called winter. Um, having that snow, and we had another lot in March, didn't we? Two belts of snow on a bottle brush. Um, they're not hard, they're not strictly hardy. We've got away with it for probably the last 10 years um, since yeah. we had our last real cold snap. But 
the problem with, with cold is you don't really see the effects of it until the plants decide they're going to grow. So they get a little bit of a scorch and it looks like they've just been caught. Then the weather warms up, the plant wants to grow and it dies. So it's sort of like a delayed reaction quite often. But we're finding it with bottle brush, with Ceanothus, the Californian lilacs. There's a lot of those that are, when you're expecting them to come into leaf or into growth, they're not. And it's yeah. just purely two lots of snow and cold. They got over the first one, just started warming up and then they got hit again. So it's just purely, uh, I would say, climate more than anything else and how can you get on with that dave if you've got a bit of it that looks as if it's it's, it's struggling but there's still another little bit that's there just give it a good old yeah. haircut. Can i you mean really you've done the right thing in pruning it and quite often they will reshoot from low down in the base because they're slightly more protected the top of the plant protects the bottom of the plant um so quite often they will just sort of start coming into life a bit but you've got quite a long haul then to get it back to a a, a reasonable shape and size plant again Okay, Bob. Uh, Jackie in Dovercourt got Budley, a same sort of plant. She's, she's got a bit better. Well, let Jackie tell you. <laughs> Jackie, uh, Dave's here. Hello there, Dave. Hello, Jackie. Um, all right, I normally buy most of my plants in the garden centre, but I saw these lovely Budley uh, miniature ones yeah. in um, one of the magazines. So uh-huh. I sent off for it, and they sent me these three plug plants. <laughs> yeah. Well, one looked a bit dead anyway when it arrived, but... I did plant them all, and they started shooting and that. And I thought, oh, you know, I kept them inside for a while, but then I planted them into, like, a a fairly, not a big pot, a sort of Mm -hmm. medium pot, and put them in there, and I put them outside. Did I put them out too early because we we had that bit of cold weather, didn't we, with the rain and everything, and the other one died. But the other one was still sort of going... Still growing, but I'm not at home this week. My husband's at home looking after him. So I'm not, I'm <laughs> not sure what's happened to the, the third one, but like two of them look well dead. I did bring it in for a little while, but I haven't got a green house or anything. No, it, it's a problem with, with any plants. I mean, Budley are hard. You know, they're generally they're hardy. The, the dwarf ones are slightly yeah. more tender than others. Um, <laughs> but when you get a young plant, whether it's a, hard, a young hardy plant, it's still young. Um, and they haven't really sort of acclimatised. And probably bringing it indoors for too long, it softens them up, it gets them used to being indoors. You pop it outside, and it needs less cold than it normally would to affect them. Um, So really, just hold tight and see what happens. But a cold snap on a young budlier, it's sort of the danger of buying sort of unseen, I suppose. You get a younger plant because they're easy to post. But um, you, you then got the work to do where you buy a larger plant that's done for you and they're generally um, acclimatised and shouldn't be a problem. Um, there's a, quite a few of these dwarf buddlers about and they're lovely, but when they're young, they are a little bit fragile. Um, so oh, hold so, with yeah. them and see what happens, but it is probably just a cold snap on a young plant. Oh, right. Okay, then. I just wondered, you know, because I did have a, a big buddler in my garden years ago, Yeah, but my dog managed to kill it off I don't, I don't put anything in the ground anymore because he pees all over anything I buy so I've got you like, to grow everything on a standard so they can't reach the top yeah so I have to put everything I've got like boxes or plants so he can't reach that far <laughs> what you want to do Jackie anyway. move next to a railway line because they always seem to grow Budley with Budley's no problem everywhere, at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wherever, yeah, wherever you go on the train you see Budley thank you Jackie Ray Clark. This is BBC Essex. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Dave's got a couple more top tips. We're going to start planting. With containers, more often they're round. And then we go and get this round container and we plant it and we put it next to a wall. When we're planting it, quite often we're planting it in a patio, on a table, on a potting bench. And the nature is that you put a nice central plant in the middle and then plant around the outside. We then take that plant, put it against the wall, so the back plants aren't ever really seen, and quite often they struggle. So when you're doing it, think about your viewing angle, how you're gonna be seeing it, and perhaps put that taller plant at the back of the pot, rather than in the middle, which is the, the natural habit, we all do it, um, and then plant, and it gives you three layers, so you can plant something tall, like a, a, a standard fuchsia, or a, a nice column geranium at the back, with some normal bush plants, again, 
begonias, geraniums, depending on whether it's sun or shade, and then some trailing plants around the outside at the front, and it'll give you like a terraced effect rather than this sort of central dartboard bullseye in the middle and stuff around the outside, and they will always struggle. So when you're doing that, think about where you're putting it. Think about also now going into whether it's going to be in the sun or the shade, because plants like geraniums, petunias, will really enjoy sunny positions, but not shade. If it's shady, think about fuchsias, begonias, busy lizzies. Um, and not to put plants in there that are going to trail too much, because all they end up doing is finding the floor, and the floor will warm up when the sun does come out, um, and it quite often will scorch the plant. So really treat the pots different to how you would the baskets. Um, and that'll be us moving on into the baskets next. Well, keep listening to the podcast as there's still more hints and tips to come. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. It's Ray Clark for Ken Crowther. More importantly, Dave Gillam here from the Abercorn Nursery answering your questions. We were talking just now with, with Jackie about the little plug plant plants yeah. and, and, and we we were trying to get chrysanthemums. Couldn't yes. see chrysanthemums anywhere. So <laughs> we bought them as plug plants. Yeah. The first ones weren't that successful because I didn't read the instructions and I put them straight out into the big wide world. Yes. And yeah. they thought, no, blow this. Yeah, I don't want to know. But the second lot, I, I went back and said, can we have some more? And, and with perseverance, they, they do pick up, don't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, uh, buying annuals and plants like that, it's probably that's fine because you they are a young plant they're a one season thing um what you're getting is effectively rooted cutting so you would normally pop them into a small pot get them established and then outside it's just with shrubs and things hardy plants aren't that hardy when they're that young so it's not it's it's not a danger but plug plants are just fine if you aware. want a lot yeah. and you you prepare to grow them a bit okay jean in gallywood with her question now jean hello hello ray um, hello. hello dave hello um I'm looking for a, a small tree uh, or a large shrub that won't grow more to uh, than about 12 feet, really, yeah. just for a bit of privacy by the garden fence. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd prefer a, a tree for its shape because uh, the shrub tend to get a little bit bulky, yeah. uh, you know, and take up your the space on your garden. But I don't yeah, you lose something. your border. <laughs> yeah. I don't want something that's going to be too vigorous and um, just... It's just going to go mad, really. Um, I already have a, a maple and a couple of fruit trees in the garden, yeah. which I do have um, cut back. Um, so I don't know if you can recommend something, really. I've been looking at uh, maybe small aces, but obviously I don't want to buy the wrong one because sometimes uh, labels can be a bit confusing <laughs> in the garden. <laughs> That's why you ask the person instead of read the label, yeah. Small yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, there's a few there. It depends if you uh, if you want to create a screen or a permanent screen. There's some nice um, shrubs that are often grown tree shaped. That's the best way to describe it, I suppose. Um, so things like uh, cotoneaster, um, which is a generally evergreen. They lose the old leaves, but keep keep the newer ones. Um, you can get those as tree shaped and they're going to make a lovely small tree, nice flower, bit of berry in the autumn. Um, a lovely shrub, again, stroke tree, depends how it's grown, is Amelanchia. Um, it's a f- oh, yeah, I was looking at those, but I was a bit worried in case they got too too tall. Too no, tall. there's different ones. You, you, there's some lovely, more compact ones. Um, but even a normal amelanchia, grown as a tree, so it's got a single stem and a, a bit of fluff at the top, really, which is generally when you buy them, um, is fantastic. Again, spring flowering, one of the best autumn colour trees there is out there, um, and very easy to maintain. And you, you'd probably easy keep those to sort of 10, 12 foot, um, and, and a real lovely garden garden tree. What, um, what sort of um, variety would I be looking at? Uh, Ballerina is a lovely one. Ballerina. Ballerina, but there's quite a few. There's one called Rainbow. There's quite a few modern-day hybrids, and any of those that tend to be more compact um, and stronger flowering than the original, which if it's uh, Lamarckii, which is the original one that you used to buy. Um, another one is Sephoria. that are about now an evergreen, large shrub, small tree, yellow flowers now, um, and it's got a nice sort of shaped leaf, multiple-leafed Sephoria. Have a look out for that one as well. With the uh, cottony aster, what variety would that be? 
Um, I've only ever heard like the smaller ones before. Yeah, no, it'd be Canubria um, or Rothschildianus, I think it is. But there's a couple out there. Normally one red buried, one yellow buried. Oh, but if they're grown to a tree shape, then they're the yeah. larger ones and they're the right ones. Okay, Jean, off to the uh, the garden centre, <laughs> I, I, I guess. There, Sid is in Thundersley. We were talking about rhododendrons, and lo and behold, Sid, what's your question? Ah, uh, good morning, gents. Morning. I've got a rhododendron. It's been up the side of the house in front. It used to be the front door. Been there about forty <laughs> years. Well, the tree was the front door, and the si- front door was well, at the side. We've had a porch put on the last few years and it's now found itself up the side and I'm getting <laughs> a bit embarrassed about it because it's a beautiful flower. It's out today with nice red flowers Yeah. and I want to move it only Ooh. around to the front of the house. I want to know when, if and when and how. How long has it been there? About 40 years. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if you know. Do you like it? <laughs> yeah, as, I, as I say, I've got a bit embarrassed about it because it's stuck up the side, and every time I look at it, I feel guilty. Well, I, personally, I think if if you've grown attached to it, you may not sort of be with it for very much longer if you start trying to move it. Oh. Um, Forty years old in the ground—that's that's quite a, a brave move, I would say. Um, yeah. If you're going to attempt it, um, as soon as it finishes flowering. Yeah. Really hard prune it. Yeah. And you can, you can chop it in half, literally. Yeah. Um, one to reduce that top growth a bit. Yeah. If you If you can and you've got a spade and you can just start putting a spade around and preparing a root ball through the summer so that you get some new root growth nearer the, the stem of the plant. Yeah. But you've got a job on your hands. Yeah. Uh, well, if you're not, not going to... I mean, I've got COPD, so I'll have to get somebody to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, some, you need no, a strong no, man. Back and laugh. You need a strong man and a big shovel. But um, yeah. okay. you do it in the autumn if you're going to do it. Late autumn, probably November time. Um, either that or just chop it in half and, and control it as a smaller plant by your conservatory and leave it be. Um, but pruning, I would say, is your best bet. Moving, you're taking a big risk. Okay, Sid, I reckon that uh, rhododendron's got squatters' rights after. <laughs> after well, there should be some rights yeah. for the rhododendron after four years. But but they are vandals, aren't they? In the wrong place. They the any, any plant in the wrong place, and they will grow large. Um, and then unfortunately, you've you've got them built something next to it. But cut it down and keep it smaller. Um, you might find you can keep it there without it growing over your, your conservatory. OK, a whole load more calls to go to. Let's do a couple of uh, texts here. I want to buy a patio grape or a cherry tree, but I don't want to use the national newspapers because they're always flogging those, yeah. aren't they, every weekend. Uh, are they available in most garden centres? This from Mike. Um, patio grapes, grapes, uh, there's not really any such thing as a patio grape. It's just a grape, grapevine. Um, that's down to pruning, so as long as you keep it controlled, yep, they're always in garden centres, or nearly always. Um Cherries, just make sure you get the right root stock that is on a dwarfing stock. And generally, Stella, the variety Stella, is on the most dwarfing stock. Not all cherries like being restricted that much. Um, But yeah, absolutely fine in a pot. But when we say pot, we're talking about a two foot plus pot. Half a barrel, ideally. Anything small, it would topple over, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would topple over anywhere to go, I suppose. a puff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John, another text here. Uh, aloe vera, I love that. <laughs> uh, what time of year can aloe vera be split or repotted? Um, ideally, again, when they're not really active, uh, actively growing, but they're not too bad at it. The succulents, and if you can winkle off a bit off the side and keep the main clump intact, pot it up, see how you do, rather than going in there and trying to divide it into sort of 10 or 15 plants. So... A little bit at a time and see how you get, get on. Is it generally sort of spring and autumn for, for digging up and, and moving Yeah, on? before they grow or after they're finished growing. Um, if you, you move a, a, a growing plant, um, you really, you know, you're affecting it and damaging roots when it most needs them. OK, let's go to Eastwood now. Uh, Sandy or Clay? I reckon mm, more... A bit of each. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Vera. Vera, uh, you've got Dave listening. What's your problem? Oh, good morning. Good morning. Clay. <laughs> um, I have got a sarcococca yes. in a tub, um, flowered beautifully and smelt lovely, and mm-hmm. then went to berries. And yeah. now the berries have come off, and the stems are looking bare. And I yeah. don't know whether I should cut them or leave it, it, them. And, it will and do that. Leaves will appear later. 
Yeah, they should do. It depends on the on the variety. There's a couple of different varieties out there. Um, some of them will regrow from almost underground. They sucker underneath. So you get the yeah. bare stems, but then you get a flush of new growth come up from low down, and it fills it in. I would just put a pair of shears over them. Um, really? Just, just give them a, a, a trim good. up. I mean, I have got lot, you know, lots of other leaves that are absolutely fine. It's yeah. just more in the middle, where mostly where the berries have been. Well, they would um, be the older which, leaves. So sorry? they would be the older leaves. Evergreen leaves last about a year to 18 months. And oh, normally once the new growth starts coming, they shed some of the old. So oh. where that wood would have been the bits that were flowering and fruiting, they would have been last year's leaves. So and then really, the ones I that have grown since are new. Some of them out or all of them out? I, I would I would quite happily just perish ears and just go over the top. They call it a Christmas box and you can treat them like you would yeah, a box plant. But if I go over the top, I mean, they it won't hurt. out down to the... <laughs> ground sort of thing oh yeah not down to the ground that might be a bit drastic (laughs) but but maybe the top third would be a good move (laughs) yeah okay then um also it it, i know they are shade loving plants um yeah they can take sun as well unfortunately a position where it gets when we have sun a lot in the afternoon wouldn't worry about it they're they're a plant that will take the sun and they will take the shade they don't have to be in shade all right okay then so i'll just Trim Get it. your shears out. Go, Go on, on, be tough. Be tough, Vera. <laughs> okay. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, my grandchildren have, have got onto their latest TV programme and there's a song, stick, stick, sticky, stick, sticky, sticky, <laughs> sticky, stick. That's what Ken's got, but he doesn't want a sticky stick, do you, Ken? <laughs> Hello, Ken. Hi, hi. You, you've got Hello, a problem Jim. with your hedge, haven't you? Oh, that's right. I need a bit, a bit of advice on my, uh, on my privet hedge. It's, yeah. Um, it's about 40 foot long and about 40 uh, years old and about five foot high. Um, and we lost a good part of it um, due to ivy. Um, Climbing through it. Around the trunks and eventually crushing the thing and it, it half of it blew over in a strong wind a few years ago. Yeah. I've put replacement plants in, four foot um, privets, and uh, a lot of them have taken pretty well. Um, just a little patch in the middle seems to have been... Uh, disrupted but what's happened i think this last winter i'm looking in a garden book that i've got it's um it i think it was a chill wind yeah uh the leaves went pale got some brown and yellow spots on them curled mm-hmm. up and fell off so i've been left with some four foot bare twigs <laughs> <laughs> um but they have started to grow again so there's still it. life in the root yeah um, it's just privet it is it, just privet people treat it as an evergreen yeah. Um, but really, it's a semi-evergreen. So, again, they keep the older, leaf, uh, newer leaves and lose the old. But in really in cold winters, they will lose all their leaves. Yes, this is um, what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. So just a um, light trim, really, and and this time of year is perfect feeding time. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Because they're going to come into growth. So go out and find yourself a a tub of fish blood and bone, or grow more or something like that, and a good oh, granular feed. Bone mill is fine for when you're planting because you want root right. growth, um, right. but really you want something with a, a little bit more more to it. So fish bud okay. and bone um, yeah. is exactly what it says on the tin, um, right. but the, the blood dissolves first, then the fish, and that's nitrogen, phosphates, and yeah. then into a potash. So yeah. Yeah. it's a good general spring feed. All right, we've got some. I'm not there today. I'm here. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Um, with with feed and, and and stuff. I mean, we go into into nurseries, and you guys just bombard us with all this stuff. It, you know, this one and this one and this yeah. one and this one and this one. Do I mean really? Our gardens do need feed, but we get to the point where we think, oh, they're only trying to sell us that stuff. No, I mean, I, I do a few talks, and I, I base it like like Nigella and her storeroom staples. Apart from our storeroom, isn't the size of say. <laughs> or well, it's staples that they've got but there are if you have grow more fish blood and bone and tomato food you probably don't need to go much beyond that grow more you can use on all plants including acid loving plants mm-hmm. so they're, they're real basics some of the other stuff is there because we buy it because we, we yeah. think it's going to do yeah. the job so, so with these sort of basics once a year, twice a year? Uh, once a month I'd say yeah, yeah. Uh, normally they take two or three weeks to work so you always sort of put it on and think, oh, it's not working, where, where the, the liquid feeds and things are very instant, mm-hmm. lush them up, 
but they're, they're more like trying to feed your plants on red bull or stimulants than giving them steak and chips. Gotcha. And I you like want to it. give them steak and chips. Tell us those three again, those three stables. Fish, blood and bone, grow more, uh, and tomato food. So a liquid feed, which, which is high in potash, is good for flowering plants. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips for this week with Dave. Thanks, Ray. And finally, the baskets. So we've done our tubs. They're looking good. Troughs, all the same. Treat them the same. Hanging baskets. So they're a different beast, really. Um, Quite often they're moss-lined. So as soon as we put water on, the water will go straight through that compost, straight out the moss, straight on the floor. Um, And they will dry out much, much quicker than the containers will. So when you're doing these... I'd suggest you at least use some water crystal, some gel, swell gel or anything like that that will hold the water a bit longer and as the baskets dry out they will then give the water back to the compost. And a little tip I tend to do is if it's a moss basket I put a little square of polythene in the bottom of the basket and that's just there to stop the water rushing straight out. Don't take it right up the sides, probably just the bottom third and it will act as a small well in the reservoir to stop everything rushing out. Do remember to feed properly weekly, especially baskets, because every time we water, which is most days, um, as the food is in there and the water goes through, the water will take the food out and the plants are growing quick. So regularly feeding and once they're flowering, use the tomato food, something with a high potash. Um, Although it shows tomatoes on the bottle, it's great for flowering plants. And that's real key. Feed, water and now and again, just deadhead and pinch a few back. And they keep going right through to October, November. And now straight back to your gardening questions. Ray Clark. This is BBC Essex. More of your calls. Plenty of them. Pauline is in Chelmsford. And uh, a call for Dave Gillam, our expert this morning. Pauline, thank you for calling. Hello. I wondered if you could help me about my wisteria. Yes. It doesn't want to bloom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we hear this so many times. Um, when did you plant it? Um, it was plant. I've got one that's been in four years and one that's been in three years. And this year it's got lovely foliage, but one bud. And did you um, pay more than fifteen yeah, pound for it from a good um, garden centre? That's all right. Then you got half a chance. Um, quite often you, you find a cheap wisteria. It's great, but then you've got ten years to to wait for it to flower so they're grafted plants we yes. hope um it is really um a pruning thing so you've got to I, I tend to do it in july others do it different times but for me it's july I go out there and prune back all this lovely soft wispy growth that's going oh, off really? everywhere um, and you're pruning it down I, I would say down to two to three inches if you're feeling brave two inches if you're not so brave three um and it's those stems that you're leaving behind should ripen enough to produce the buds for next year. Right. And then you can go out again in the autumn and do it. Okay, lovely. All right. But once right. they're older and they're established and they run out of puff in the ground a little bit, you'll find they just flower anyway. But young plants need a little help. Okay, lovely. All right, Pauline, off you go. And then when you do get one, uh, there's me sweeping up the patio, <laughs> and every time the wind blows, you've got all the petals there. Yes, yeah, it's showered. It's like yeah. getting married every, every it. time. <laughs> confetti everywhere. Uh, Jean is in Grinster Green, and she's got problems with the plants she doesn't know. It's probably blown in from Suffolk, I reckon, Jean. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Send it back. Anyway, I wonder if you can help me with this plant with the description I'm going to give. It's, about, it's a shrub, and it's about five foot high. Yeah. The leaves are flat and pointed. And when yeah. it flowers, it's got a flower that hangs down, which looks a bit like a fuchsia, which is red. And I've seen right. it ground wild up near Windermere. Like a fuchsia hanging down, flat mm. green. And it's not a fuchsia, obviously. No, no. <laughs> and if you cut any of the stems off, they're hollow. Right, OK. They're like a bamboo stem. Yes, it sounds like Leicesteria. Leicesteria. I okay. would say. I've had it in the garden years. That was growing in the garden, then we put it near the hedge, and now it's quite big. And yeah. I can never find out what it's called. It, it, well, it, ha- it has a little berry, a purple berry in the end. That's right, yes. Oh, there we go. Oh, 
I've yeah. surprised myself. Um, <laughs> and that purple berry is quite tasty, and the birds tend to eat it, and then they deposit it around wherever they uh, drop right, on yeah. the way f- yeah. way past. Yeah. Um, and they will grow sort of from those those berries. So it's late hysteria. Um, and it's a lovely thing, but just best thing to do with it um, is just cut some of the old stuff out now and again and keep the new stuff coming up from the base. Yeah, there you go, G. I have cut some out. Thank you very much. Anyway, right. thanks for helping. Wasn't Suffolk it blew in from then? It's Norfolk it was really, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Jean. Let's go to uh, Sheila. She's in Church Langley. Is it, it always used to be clematis, but it's clematis now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, potato, potato. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> oh, hello. Hello, Sheila. Hello, yes. What it is, um, Clematis Montana, and it's very, mm-hmm. very pretty. Yeah. And it's got lots of whiskery sprouts at the top. And yeah. I'm wondering, if I trim those, there's no flowers on them, mm-hmm. will it affect the plant? No. Or should I wait no. for later on? Um, of all the Clematis Montana are the weed one of, of them all. They grow really profusely. So um, keeping on top of it, pruning those back won't hurt at all. And in fact, quite often, if you do that, you sometimes get a little extra flush of flowers later in the year. Oh, right. OK. And does watering help to make it last and flower a bit longer? Um, it, it, well, water helps me last a bit longer. I'm sure it'll help a plant as well. Oh, um, right. But it's really, if you if you get different stages of, of growth, so you're pruning it and you're keeping on top, that's where it would last longer because you'll have plants or stems that will produce flower buds earlier than others right. um, if you just let it go you'll get a big wadge of flowers it looks stunning and then nothing after right and the other thing is um, i did put a load of garden compost yeah. i mean which i've saved from the the home sort of thing mm-hmm. i put that at, at its roots a little while ago it won't harm it will it no 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 there's it's really soil conditioning there's not a lot of food value in garden compost but it always helps make the soil better which in turn means the plant can take in the food and water better. So it won't do any harm at all. There you go, Sheila, thank you. Have you ever tried fizzy water? Just suppose, <laughs> we discovered it this week because you're trying to diet a little bit. Yes, I have been drinking that with the fruit flavour yeah, in yeah. it. Yeah. So do the plants prefer fizzy water? Well, I don't know. No, I'll have to try it. There's <laughs> an experiment for next time. Just strawberries some strawberry flavour. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of problems there. Uh, Kathy is in Brentwood and has quite a few orchids. Kathy. Hello, Hello, Kathy. Hello. 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 Yes. Uh, well, I'm a bit of Ricky, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of um, putting my orchids outside in a hanging basket. Would they survive the summer? They and would. The yeah. Do it. Interesting. I've never seen it done. Um, ah, okay. But I've I, got, I can't. I've got about. I've got about ten. I have seen them in baskets. At, yeah. At I can't gardens. think there'd be a problem. But what I would do is yes. probably keep either. I wouldn't take them out of the pots. Okay. Um, and just literally use some bark or something like that and, and pack them in. Um, yeah. Just keep the pots upright um, yeah. and go that way. And at least at the end of the year, you can just lift them out okay. in the pot and you're not messing around with the roots, disturbing the yeah. roots too much. So you're plunging, almost plunging the pot into okay. the basket. Would it um, be helpful if I lined the basket with moss to, and I could keep that moist? Yes, yeah, I would line it with moss and even just put a bit of plastic literally a you know half a carrier bag or something in the bottom bottom yeah just so that it will hold a bit of water for a short while um and then you wouldn't take them out of the pot and plant them in the bark in i I wouldn't because at some point you're going to have to take them out again and that disturbance might just be enough to sort of not from not to enjoy uh, yes i've already left i haven't staked the uh, new flowering shoots so they're sort of coming over mm. so i thought they would look quite good in a basket out yeah yeah outside. i mean if you if you've got enough of them and you can actually side plant them you will have to take them out of the pot for that but orchids will hang from branches and from moss and things and they'll look really quite natural if you can get enough in there and a bit of flour it'd be interesting and keep them in the basket though yeah. and then go back in the downstairs take loo, a picture and for the winter. that's yeah. it take a picture and send it into us i'd like to see it okay <laughs> kathy thank you for your call christine is in burnham trying to grow potatoes christine Hello, Ray. I've grown potatoes for several years, and thank you, Ray, for the delivery. Oh, right, this is from uh, a <laughs> colleague wanted some horseradish, so I've uh, poked yeah, it through yeah, the... Well, we the expect horse, to you see that flourishing. Potatoes, you've got a problem with, Christine? No, I haven't got No, I haven't got a problem with them. Well, I've got, I've got them in bags. I've grown them for several years quite yeah. successfully, but I've heard they really want feeding, Dave. 
And is there a particular, should they have a high potash or high nitrate or just a general purpose? Not food? too high nitrogen. Um, I've, I've known people to grow them and give them too much of the old chicken pellets and things. And they have these lovely potato tops and no potatoes. Um, so really just the just general feed. We're back to the grow more is a good one. Um, oil of fish, blood and bone. Just a good, good couple of handfuls of that when you're planting. And maybe, you know, a month later, once a month is always safe. But good dusting, plenty of water. Okay, a few more weeks and potatoes for dinner. And and, and your horseradish, I guess, Christy. Uh, Cliff is in stock. Morning to you, Cliff. Good morning. Um, I heard you say that you were in sort of sandy uh, sandy soil or light soil. Yeah, mm-hmm. where I am, but equally it's it's a bit clayey as well, so we, we've got all sorts. <laughs> uh, it's just that uh, I'm trying to grow peanuts. All right. And uh, I've got them in um, clay pots and uh, with a sort of uh, sandy... Uh, sort of builder sand and uh, normal sort of potting compost. Yes. And uh, I've just got the first shoots um, coming up, appearing. So something's happening. <laughs> and uh, I just wondered a what I could feed them with. Yeah. And um, I could pop some seeds down to Ray with a book on how to grow them and see how he gets on with them. Yeah, we, we was talking about it before the show, growing peanuts actually. Um, so it's quite quite fun. Um, just keep keep watering, um, keep them growing, and obviously you know where the peanuts are going to come from, don't you? Indeed. In the ground. Well, I have a, a super little book because um, I've got connections uh, with the peanut industry in the states, and that's oh, where right. the seeds have come from. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Oh, uh, perfect. We're out of the ground. And I uh, just wondered if you'd like to have a crack at trying to grow them as well. Oh, we'd love a go. I oh, think yeah, there's, yeah. There's Especially ready salted, we'll have There's them. someone behind me that was talking about having a go at it earlier. So, uh, yeah, no, it's good fun. And, and it's interesting that so many people actually think that, you know, you go and pick them off the plant, that, that they're not actually in the ground. But, um, no, good. Good luck. Wish you luck with that, Cliff. We've got to move on a bit because we've still got a whole load of Essex to squeeze in. Uh, Rita is in Braintree. Rita, David's listening. Oh, hello. Um, Yes, I wonder if you can advise me. Uh, About a month ago, I bought uh, two azaleas. Yeah. Now, I've put them in containers and Mm -hmm. I've put them in ericaceous soil because I understood that's what they preferred. They do, and you get a bonus Um, point for pronouncing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and basically, one of them started to drop its leaves quite quickly after mm. I potted it up. Um, but it seemed to have like a... I can't describe it, but it was like um, almost like a white... Not, I don't think it was... Well, I don't really know what it was, actually. <laughs> but it's just started to... It was like a feathery yeah. look to the whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like a... Um, Oh, I can't think Mil- of the name of it. It might, anyway, it might be a mildew or it could be a, a woolly aphid, in fact. if it's on, Is it on the stem or the leaf? It was on the leaves. On the leaves. So it might just be a bit of mildew, but wouldn't worry too much about that. Yeah, I have seen woolly aphid and I don't think it was that. No. But it did cross my mind. Um, but the other one, uh, similar things happened, but it didn't have the whiteness that on as on the other one, but yeah. it's just started dropping its leaves. Yeah. The buds are there just, and, and the pink one that <laughs> I've These would be evergreen azaleas, won't they? Or what you Sorry? buy as evergreen azaleas, and they will lose leaves soon during or after flowering um, because there is should be some new growth starting to come, and it's just an, uh, a natural process. Combined with planting them and disturbing them when you take them out of pot and put them in the ground, um, you tend to get more leaf shed at that time than you would ongoing. Okay, not necessarily a bad thing then. Uh, Let's go to Richard in Romford. We're squeezing in another couple of calls here. Richard. Morning. Morning, Ray. Morning, Dave. Um, Morning. Morning. Um, I've had an apple tree. um, It's an old apple tree. And I pruned it back last year. We obviously had apples on it. Mm -hmm. This year, there's plenty of foliage on it, but no uh, blossom. When did you prune it? When did you prune it? Uh... Well, uh, about August last year when we took the apples off, September time. Yeah. Um, normally, I'd, I'd prune apples December. Um, that, that's a, the, the thing to that. You may well have just took off a little bit too much. So the apples will flower and fruit on last year's growth. So you normally prune the, those shoots back to little stubs, um, which should then flower and fruit this year. So you might have just got a bit 
bit carried away a bit early. OK, but uh, next year, there's always next year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK, briefly, John from uh, Brentwood. Uh, we were talking about privet hedges earlier in the programme. John. Hi. The bone meal and uh, um, blood stuff, Yeah. how do you get it to go through three or four inches of mulch leaves that are underneath the... A hose pipe. The, the, oh, you hose it in? Just, just water it in. Yeah, just throw it all over and loads of water. The rain will wash it in, but just a real good soaking will we'll move it through and get it into the ground. Yeah, simple as that, John, out with your hose pipe. Uh, a couple of texts here. Did I hear Dave say that Grow More can be used monthly? I, I thought it was just once a year for shrubs. As, no, uh, I, I, no one feeds enough, but I, I would always feed monthly. OK, and one more with a lot of words here. Uh, I want to try nematodes as I had vine weevil in some <laughs> pots last year. Sounds a bit technical, this one. Over to you, Dave. <laughs> nematodes are fine. Um, depends what the plants are. Quite often the cost of the, the nematodes is greater than the plants, so... See how you go. Make sure it's warm enough. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash Essex. Well, hopefully Ken will be back to answer your gardening questions next week. So if you've got a question, why not give him a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning here on BBC Essex from 11. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex.